This episode has been brought to you in part by Canderell and Kingset Capital. Coming soon, affordable luxury condominium living at 908 St. Clair West. Nestled into a vibrant, one-of-a-kind neighborhood, 908 St. Clair West is a modern treasure, offering a sophisticated lifestyle inspired by St. Clair Village and prestigious Forest Hill. Register today at 908stclairwest.com. is om die fabriek te verdedigen tegen de aanvallen waarmee die te maken kreeg toen de nazi's aan de macht kwamen. That's the sound of an interview on Dutch television a couple of years ago with the granddaughters of Isaac Rotenberg. He was a savvy Jewish businessman from Amsterdam and at the time when many Jews were trying to flee Germany under Hitler, he actually moved to the Nazi state just before Hitler took power in the 1930s and lived there as a sort of reverse Oscar Schindler. He bought Europe's most modern cigar factory, he employed 670 non-Jewish workers, and despite increasing anti-Jewish restrictions and jealous business rivals, Isaac Rotenberg did everything he could to keep his cigar factory going until the Nazis finally forced him to sell, took it over, and threw him in prison. Rotenberg survived the war, and he moved back to Amsterdam. Only after he died, his granddaughters, who are Dutch journalists, discovered the story he'd never told them, and they wrote a book about him. The book's now been released in English here in Canada, thanks to a branch of the Rotenberg family that had moved to Toronto long before the war. I think anyone can look in their family and It's like we're separated at birth. And when we started seeing who are these Dutch people, what, they're business people, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're journalists, they're writers. Who are we? We're the exact same. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, February the 2nd, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Before we get into the episode and the interview about the cigar factory of Isaac Rotenberg, I want to tell you that thanks to you, loyal listeners, the CJN Daily today hit over 200,000 downloads of the podcast since we launched in May. And I am humbled and grateful on behalf of myself and my team. And we've got a lot more where that came from. And keep listening today right to the end of the episode for a special promotion just for CJN Daily listeners. Robert Rotenberg is a Toronto lawyer and also the author of a best-selling crime novel series. His cousin Michael Levine is also a lawyer and a book agent to some of the biggest names in Canadian literature. Coming up, they'll be here to tell you why they collaborated to bring this story of their relative and his cigar factory in Dublin, Germany, to an English-speaking audience, even though they'd only vaguely heard about him and the part of the family that remained in Europe and lost 23 people in the Holocaust. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Adam Cohen in Montreal, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. There's been a development in the story of those United Church of Canada proposals to take a harder line on Israel and strengthen support for the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. If you heard the story we did on the podcast recently, Canadian rabbis came out in force to criticize the church's policy paper that will be presented later this month to their General Assembly. We tried to get a comment at the time, but the church declined. Now, church leaders have issued a statement on their website. It says they know the proposals will be well-received by some and will cause discomfort for others. 
but, quote, Christ doesn't want them to be polite or walk some middle line, but rather to stand in costly solidarity with those who seem most at risk of losing the fullness of life that God intends for all people, unquote. And joining me now from Toronto are Robert Rotenberg and Michael Levine. Let's move into the story. The two cousins, descendants of, of the hero, dig into the past not knowing anything, and their journey of discovery is also a journey of coming to terms with what happened to Jews in Nazi Europe. And it takes you right there. Um, when when you read this book, both of you, you know, what feelings did it did it evoke in you? Well, I can say I'm 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 the agent type, not the creator type. But for me, if I had been presented with this book, I would have considered it a brilliant thriller because they began knowing absolutely nothing about their grandfather because uh, in terms of of his German connection, because they grew up in in the 60s and the 70s um, with with this lovely grandfather who who had escaped the Holocaust. uh, And and the the amazing, amazing part of the story is that they uncovered what nobody had ever known. The other thing, which is which which I really compliment our distant cousins for is they're very candid about themselves. Uh, one of them really loved her grandfather. The other one wasn't so close with him because inevitably in a Jewish family, he was a bit of overpowering and the two brothers had a falling out with their father. See the classic story. And they're going through their own journey, which really adds a, another dimension to the book. It's It's because... They're trying to figure out, was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? What was he doing business with the Nazis for? And it's not what I loved about the book. It's not, um, it's not a Disney story. It's not, it, they're not glossing over. They're not saying, oh, he was wonderful. He was perfect. He was, in fact, they even call him arrogant and, and uh, foolish at some points. Um, so I think it's a very brave book. So I want to bring something up that will strike a lot of people who read this book. Um, is the comparison to Schindler, which I'm sure you've thought about. Now, Schindler wasn't Jewish, but he protected people with his factory by doing what he had to do to keep it open. And he got a Hollywood movie and he got a righteous Gentile. Um, what parallels do you see with your relative in, in this? Well, these, uh, weren't, these weren't Jews who he was employing, as far as I could tell. The difference was that there was a humanitarian side to, to Schindler where, where he actually um, you know, wanted to protect them, but he wasn't particularly necessarily the great hero that he's portrayed. Whereas I think in this case, this was an entrepreneur and he wanted to employ workers. And I don't think he had the same kind of pressure as to who his workers were. He did have to collaborate because there was pressure to hire locals, to hire members of the party, which he had to do. And this is this whole issue for the daughter and the granddaughters, right? Is how much of the Nazi dirty work did he have to do in order to stay open? Let's talk about that. Well, that's, that's I think, the, the, what makes the book so interesting is because at what point are you making compromises or what point are you crossing a moral line to try to keep your vision of this factory together it's very easy in hindsight to say well why didn't they see why didn't they see on the other hand i think that's what makes the book really interesting because it's there's there is some ambiguity they don't end up 
saying they're not so much celebrating their grandfather as trying to discover who he really was. The fact that he fought back and didn't take this lying down and had, mm-hmm. as they said, chutzpah and, uh, you know, maybe recklessness, um, it kept him alive, maybe, too. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about the symbolism or the irony, I guess, of having while your family here in Toronto helped people escape Europe uh, in between the pogroms and the, the, the really the second or third year of the, of the First World War, and you were bringing Jews out. So many of the people in, in that side of the family uh, and didn't make it. I just find that haunting. It's very haunting to me because I had no idea when I met them that we had any connection to the Holocaust whatsoever. And as this all began to unfold, I suddenly realized how close my connection was to Europe in a way that literally I had never thought about. Um, The Holocaust is something I'm extraordinarily aware of, not to get too personal, but in the books I write, the main detective's father is a Holocaust survivor. And And people always say to me, well, you can write about it because it wasn't your experience. It's that thing about being one step away. And as I said, like, I can see myself. Sorry, it's emotional. I can see myself reading this book. And when I read that passage, uh, the Jew, Issei Rodenberg, here it is. It was reported in Der Sturmer, a virulent anti-Semitic German tabloid of the day informing readers with joy that the Jew Issei Rotenberg uh, was no longer in charge of, uh, of his company, it, it, it just hit me. It's like, this isn't just about somebody else. And, and as Michael and I have always said, this isn't a Jewish story. This is a story, I'm a criminal lawyer in Toronto. I represent people from all over the world. This is a story of people who fled from Toronto's a story of refugees, as a city of refugees. This is a story of the Serbian family who came here, the Syrian family who came here, the Indian family who came here, the people who came here from everywhere, um, and their connection back. Um, Well, I had the privilege of representing uh, General Romeo Dallaire, who lived through the Rwandan massacre. So, you know, I I did the film Shake Hands with the Devil, both the documentary and the feature. And boy, the metaphors are are so similar. Right now, uh, I'm working on with Tanya Talaga on the history of the residential schools. And to me, the parallels are profound. I don't think there was a greater massacre than the massacre of the Jews, but, but man's inhumanity to man within so many countries in in Europe, in Asia, in Africa is profound. And it's just because somebody decided to leave and that's how you guys got here. Same with our family, you know, they left the pogroms, but a lot of people didn't and stayed in Europe. And by the grace of God, people say that could have been you guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Ezra Miller in Ottawa. 
Ezra wrote to ask if we could cover more stories about the Reform Jewish movement and the synagogues he belongs to in Montreal and Ottawa. Well, Ezra, I appreciate your pitches. I'll keep my eye open and we'll end the episode with a special promotion. For the month of February, listeners to the podcast can use the promo code CJN Daily to buy a subscription to the CJN Circle. The normal price is $100. The promo code gets you a third off the price. So for $64, which is $1.25 a week, you support the CJN and you support this podcast. Plus, you'll get exclusive invitations to events, you'll get a guaranteed spot on the new magazine mailing list, and you'll get special insider email newsletters. So go to the cjn.ca slash circle and use the coupon code CJN daily when you pay. The link is in our show notes. And once again, thank you for your support. 